I've got quite a lot to say to you, so I'm going to try. Instead of saying everything today, I'll split it between today and tomorrow. Good morning. Or today and whatever day I decide to speak. So let me know who's on, first of all, so we can start this. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Another hot day. Um, another time to... Let me say, excuse ourselves for certain things. Um, so what I'm going to do is probably start off with a quick review um, and then go into the one or two scriptures which are not revelational based. They're just scriptures that I need to read to you this, um, this morning as we, again, get deeper into God. Again, let me remind you of what I've said to you that it's important that you know that the first call conversation demand that God had with mankind was be fruitful. Again, why do we repeat these things? So that you don't get distracted. You know what distraction, yeah? Distraction is a very, very powerful tool in the hand of the enemy. That's why we have an ever-advancing social world social media the goal of satan is to distract you from the truth so again those of us who are committed to speaking the word and we ourselves as we have to also hear the word in order to be able to speak the word one of the greatest battles we will be facing in our young um, age in our youth is the distraction that the world brings can you all hear me properly yeah it's the distraction that the world will bring. And you see the problem about distraction. Distraction can become masked. It can be covered. It can be veiled as things that are necessary to do. So when the speaking of the word comes, it becomes difficult for someone to totally commit. So what I wanted to speak to you about was Adam and Eve this morning. But... I'm thinking if I get into that, because I need to still get into Moses and all, it, it will almost be like two different parts of the word, though I'm speaking about the same thing. So I said, instead of making this long, um, longer than it should, or instead of confusing us, let's just stick to a very, very simple um, word, in quote, this morning. And then if the spirit leads, we'll go into the second part in quote again tomorrow so as i was saying the first commandment the first interaction that god had with mankind if man is going to increase if man is going to eventually rule if man is eventually going to subdue because i want you to know the nature of the god you serve he's a fighter have you ever thought why there's not much described in heaven other than God is the Lord of the heavenly armies. You would see everything that constitutes, everything that adds the idea of war around God. And please listen to what I'm saying. That's why I'm, I'm going to speak very, very soft this morning. Um, 
you would see everything in relation to war with God. You will understand the roles of kingdoms in the development of the world. What England has become is because in prior times, in former times, it was a kingdom. It is a kingdom still. And in order to gain its power and voice in the world, good morning, Bishop, if they're going to, if England is going to have a powerful voice in the world, it was because yesterday they were able to fight. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you this morning? They were able to fight. They were able to contend for a territory. And so it is, as you see scripture, you would see that God's kings were men who were also able to fight for territory. From the, light, from the, from the man called Abraham, you were asked the question, what would a normal man need 318 trained? I love that scripture says trained soldiers. So he was anticipating a day of war. He anticipated the day of fight. There was going to be a time that he would have to take territories. Again, you can only train in anticipation that there will be eventually battle. So Abraham, he looked like such a normal man. I thought when we were looking into the life of Abraham, I thought we were just looking into a man that God was trying to set up a family with. And then comes the thought of God in the place of meditation that there's no establishment of a family without a fight. Are you sure you're listening to what I'm saying to you today? Today I want to speak to you about the work of God, but we'll get to that. So there's no establishment. There's no territory without there being first a fight. So imagine if the family that God so wants to lift... Imagine if they've been weakened already in the place of fight. I thought to myself, again, about the life of Abraham, that Abraham was promised the land where God wanted to show him was beyond Canaan, but Canaan was going to be the example. Canaan was going to be the indication. Canaan was going to be the physical representation of what God was really pulling an Abraham into. And I thought to myself that, God, you are going to give Abraham a land but when you got when Abraham got to the land of Canaan he realized that it was already occupied if Abraham was going to take ground if Abraham was going to take what God had given him it would it cannot be done without a fight we go later into time and we are met with the matured Israelites meaning that Jacob had become Israel and Israel had gone to Egypt and Israel had grown into being at least three million people and when in Egypt, they were called to come out into a land again. The whole function of Moses was to tell them that there's a promised land for them. Go from Egypt to the land that I've promised that flows with milk and honey. You know, you would have thought that the promises of God meant that you were going to enter what God is saying swiftly, without fight. Again, I'm starting this slow and uh, and come so that you really hear what I'm saying and you're not given away by fanatics but with regard with that we see a Moses who's promising constantly that there was going to be a land flowing with milk and honey meaning that provision already lies there for you 
You will not have to work for what you're going to eat or enjoy. God had already prepared the ground for you. And I love that the ground that God prepared for for the Israelites, by the time they got to the land of Canaan, and by the time that Joshua's ministry was starting, you would realize that the land that God prepared so much for the Israelites was a land ready for war. So, you see the words I'm saying to you? It's, It's... going to be something that you would overlook if we don't spend time in the word. You would see that Christ came and things will not be done easily for him. You would see that the apostles came and you would see that things were not done easily for him. He says, a great and effectual door has been opened for me, but mighty are the adversaries. You would ask God, I thought you gave me this. Why do we have to fight? No. The fact that you have to fight is an indication that God has given it to you. Are you sure you're with me this morning? The fact that there's the fact that there's a fight there, it's the indication that God has given it to you. Again, I'm just starting off, don't, don't mind me. But David got to a place whereby he said, Look, I need the water that comes from the Philistines' camp. Entitlement to water was what he had. But to get it, it will not be without a fight. So what we want to check today or this morning or as we start conversation this week is what PT started off, started us with on Sunday. The life of Jacob against Esau. The fight that began with Jacob and Esau was eventually going to be a fight between Jacob and Israel. And in order for him to get to the fight between him and Israel, he's going to have to encounter God. But let's look at that trajectory. So I don't want to start that today. I won't go too much into the Jacob story today, but it will be something that we will speak throughout the week. But let's look at some stories, some interesting stories. Um, What I would do is stay away today from having to speak too much on a story um, wave. What I mean by that is we're not going to go too much into revelation, but I need to give you more. I need to highlight to you the work that God is trying to do with you. So let's actually start off with the scripture, John chapter 6. John chapter 6 said something. We're going to read from verse 25. Again, I hope that you'll follow me with this. I want to use this morning today. I would prefer that I do these on Mondays though. However, I want to spend today just talking with you. Of course, there's no way that I can't give you scripture, but just in a way, in a foundational way, speaking to you, um, sharing some thoughts, some instructions maybe with you this morning so that we can be on the same wavelength, In quote. John chapter 6, verse 25. Let's start there. Go on. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You are looking for me not because of the signs you saw that I performed, but because you ate the loaves. What I was able to produce, you were able to digest. What I was able to speak, the reason why you are looking for me is because all of a sudden you have found wholeness in me. 
It's not the signs. It's the fact that what I am saying gives you wholeness. Because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Verse 27, go on. Do not work for food that spoils. Amazing. So then he says, do not work for food that spoils. But for food, yeah. That endures to eternal life. You should work for food that endures to eternal life. Which the son of man will give you. So if it's a thing that you will give me, why do I have to work for it? No, you, you guys are quiet. If it's a thing that God you're given to me, why am I still working for it? Why am I still fighting for it? Why is there still a struggle for what you have given me? Because you see the nature of God. If you look into scripture, and again, I'm going to have to start very, very simple. So simple that if you're not ready to hear God's word, it will fly over your head. You will go and start your day. You'll get act. You'll get again, distracted with the activities of this world and the things that you have been told that you should be focusing on. I tell you that God is not sentimentally drawn to anybody. What do I mean by that? God sets out before you his principles. That if you are daring, Joe, to follow those principles, then there will be a blessing established over your life. There will be some kind of affirmation of your life. There will be the seal, as you would see, as Christ is about to say. There will be the seal of approval over your life. Not because you were busy trying to be a likable individual by people. Sometimes we cannot say no to what people bring our way. There's no party that we can say no to. There's no person that we can say no to because there's something about you that feels that you must be likable to be an achiever in this world. But what you must first find or who you must first find approval from is Christ, is God. Upon whom my seal of approval comes from. So again, he says, do not work for food. So in other words, he says, do not struggle. Because you see, when you're working something, you're, you're exerting strength against, an existent, uh, against a resistance. Sorry, You're exerting strength when you're working. I don't think someone just says, I love to work without it being in some way draining. They must set up ways in order that they keep refreshing themselves in order to perform that work. But you see, when the Bible says now, do not work for food that spoils, what God is saying here is that irrespective of what you choose, you're always going to end up struggling. So let's think about what P.T. said to us very deeply. That Jacob was fighting from his mother's womb. That in the womb of his mother, Rebecca, there were two people. In every man, there are two people. And regardless of what will happen, regardless of who you are, whether you are the blessed or the rejected, whether you are the cursed or the one that seems to be the one that God is backing or is with, a man will not be able to avoid the struggle of life. You will not be able to avoid work. Again, tomorrow maybe I'll speak to you about Adam. But do you remember the first thing that was given to an Adam? Remember that God did not create everything to make Adam a man without work or a man without struggle. The beauty of everything that God created was so that he can take what I love how scripture says it. It's so that he can take the man. Okay, I'm going to get two things mixed up. So let me not go into that. God would take the man. 
place him in the garden in order that he may work. The man that God sends is a man of work. Is a man that understands that there will be struggles. But you see, I can choose to struggle alongside God. Or I can choose to struggle for myself. So do not work for food that spoils. Whatever you are doing will eventually crumble. Will eventually be torn away from you. Will eventually show you that there's no satisfaction there. But again, so that I don't get caught up in too many things, do not work for food that spoils, yeah? But for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed this, his seal of approval. So work for food that endures to eternal life. What is this food? Work for food that endures to eternal life. Eternal life. The Bible says that, look, everything you see, yeah, everything you see, everything. I'm talking about the family you see, the friends you see. The ideas you have, life in matter or outside of matter, <laughs> life forces, everything will cease except even a jot written in God's word. So right now someone will be thinking, what the hell are you talking about this morning? What are you saying to me? God says the work you should be doing, yeah, the work that you should be fighting for, the food that endures to eternal life is his word. Meaning that, let me tell you something. Let me just give this quick example. Are you all on with me, yeah? Because I need to start this this way this week so that you can hear me because I was saying to some people yesterday that I think we're entering a new conversation. And you see the thing about entering new conversations, yeah? It doesn't just happen. No, it requires your effort. <laughs> it requires you to say to yourself that by now, I should be speaking on this new level. Okay, so you're on with me. So I said that conversations are changing. And what we have to be careful of is staying comfortable with a level of conversation. And I gave examples. Again, I won't do that this morning. But I just need you all attentive, and I can see that. So it says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So what is Pastor Obi's work in the morning? God, what are you saying? So let me give the example, because you see, God will always measure a man against another. Meaning that I spoke to you, the contemporary of and Abraham was a Nimrod. I've taught you this before. The contemporary of an Isaac will be an Ishmael. There will be an Esau and a Jacob. There will be a Peter, funny enough, and a Judas. There will always be the example that God will draw between two. So why am I saying this? There is a type of man, please follow me. There is a type of man who feels that I have to manage many things. I have to sort out this in order for life to look like it's proceeding. Then there's the other type of man 
that almost seems like he's doing nothing except dwelling in tents. This is the idea of Jacob and Esau. Jacob as a man is called Jacob. Esau as a man is called Esau. Jacob as a nation is called Israel. Esau as a nation is called Edom. Why am I saying this? You see a beryl right now and a tomwa. Let's use them as an example, yeah? They are first known as people. God preserves them because they're eventually going to become a nation. But whoever they allow themselves to be as a people is what's going to be the, the attitude of a nation. So Esau, Edom, uh, uh, this is me going into a bit of history. Edom became, a, Edom was like an older nation to Israel. Yet Israel always had the upper hand over Edom because of what Jacob and Esau became in their own lives. So the nature of Jacob or Esau. So what I'm trying to show you that is Jacob or Esau. Don't worry, I'm just starting. The nature of Jacob or Esau is not two individuals in history. They are actually God telling a story on two types of people. Are you following me, yeah? Jacob and Esau is God's way of telling a story on two types of people. I need to say this to you before I take you into the main scripture, which is in Exodus. The two types of people is the Esau character is a man that feels that they, they see a lot of things. The Esau character is a man of the open country, of the open field. He sees a lot of things. He is exposed to a lot of things. His life is without restraint. He is a man that gets out and doing. He's known to be busy. There are many things he has to sort out. But in the course of that, he loses strength. Do you know why? We saw scripture that says that later he was a fornicator, yeah? I said to you that if I had time today, I would speak to you about Adam and Eve, right? You know, quickly, when we, say, when we hear fornicator, we're going to think he was a man sleeping with women outside. But you see why you have to hear God's word very well? It's because God also calls the church adulterers. You see those terminologies? They're much more deeper as a proverb than it is an actual act. Meaning, let me make that clear, clearer. Meaning that you may be someone that never fornicates, but God calls you a fornicator because you waste your strength. Strength has to be spent, but has to be spent where it should be. Okay, so let's leave that to tomorrow, because if not, I'm going to go into Adam and Eve. So moving on, the Bible says, so guys, apologies for that. We'll move on to that tomorrow. So then the Bible says, for on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Verse 28, please, let's, let me try and control myself today. Go on. Then they asked him, what must we do to the works, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. Okay, so the work of God, according to Christ, is to believe. 
in the one he has sent. Now take note of this scripture. Take note of it because the work that God has given to you is to believe in the one he has sent. Imagine if you don't even discern or know the man that God has sent. Then you're not even doing the work of God. So again, you look at Jacob, you look at Esau, two explanations or two definitions of what man could be. A man can either be someone exposed to many things, and because he's exposed to many things, he wastes his strength in many things. So again, to help you this morning, when I say Esau is a man of the open country, I'm not just talking about a man who fornicates. And I know that you guys know that is more than that. I'm talking a man, I'm talking about a man who doesn't know where to give his strength to. So anything that comes his way, he gives attention to it. So let me help you. A man that is too concerned about family is a fornicator. Are you sure you're listening to me? Because, again, conversations have changed. A man that is given too much to, to worries is a fornicator. They are taking strength that was to be given to something. And because they are too open and too exposed, in order to feel satisfied or to achieve a thing, they give their strength to everything. They give their strength to everything. My worry come and I give my strength to it. There's a party that comes and I give my strength to it. There's a fear that comes and I give my strength to it. That's the man that's exposed. But you see, as for Jacob, Jacob was a man that only dwelt in a tent. He was restrained even though he was free. He lived within the household of faith. He was in the house of covenant. And it was going to be in this house of covenant that he will be made where it seems like he could give his strength to nothing else. But what was being done within the house, that was what was going to make him a powerful man that was eventually, because at the point that Jacob was in the house of his father, he would never have known that he was to evolve into being the nation called Israel. He would never know that this was going to be God's people. God's people were going to be those who understand that they are not like every other nation. They are not obliged to give themselves over to everything. Again, why am I saying all of this? Because Esau was deceived. Esau was deceived by his brother. Esau was deceived by his ability to be out in the open. Because it looks like if I'm exposed and out in the open, if I have a free and open mind, it seems like I am gaining grounds. But he was deceived by his own fault. He was deceived by his own exposure. But Jacob, Jacob was a man that stayed inside. So why have I started like this? I need that to be a foundational thought that Jacob and Esau is a definition of two types of people. And from scripture, you are able to tell the pattern of who's who. From scripture, you're able to tell also the destiny of each person. So I'm going to trust that. You see everything I've spent the last half an hour or however long I've been speaking saying, you will try to think on that and you will keep that throughout the week. Of course, try and keep that as long as possible. You keep that throughout the week 
as we get to speak back into the genesis of man again, when we get to Adam and Eve, when we get back to Jacob and Esau. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 24, actually, sorry. Let's start the word. So keep everything I've said to you just as a thought. Again, in case you don't understand what I've said to you, the Bible says, do not work for food that spoils. Yeah? Do not give your strength over to a struggle that ends up to be nothing. Do not give your strength over to a work that it will produce a food that does not have anything eternal about it. It says that you should give your work, you should work for the food that endures to eternal life. What is the food that endures to eternal life? God's word. That's your work. Do not be the man that is deceived by his own exposure or by his own mindset or by his own attitude and character. Be the man that stays at home where they receive the word. For it will be unto that man that who will, he will gain grounds. That man will gain grounds. So now, let's go to Exodus. One day, God looked at Abraham, said to Abraham that, you see, your generation are going to be in slavery. What I'm going to do with the nation that enslaves your generation is that I will judge them. But what will happen is that eventually, and as story tells us, on God's eagle's wings, the Israelites are taken out of Egypt. They are taken out of a certain dimension into a dimension that they've never been before. These were men, families that had grown up in Egypt and they had been there for 400 or so years that I don't know how you would say that they are anything less than Egyptian. They looked like the world. They fought like the world. They believed what the world believed in. They had been so marred. They had become so tainted, so contaminated that they believed that in order to eat, they had to work. So because of that, God would be so much of a stranger to him or to them. Now God wants to establish a covenant with the people. We move on through the stories of the destruction of Egypt. We go into the wilderness. And then we come to a time where God says to Moses, come up. COD, I want you to listen to this. And I said that I'm going to have to speak calm today so that you hear me. We have got to a place where God has been speaking. The first conversation of the man he creates is intimacy. Be fruitful is a core for intimacy. Yeah, I have to keep repeating this. Be fruitful. The first conversation, the first interaction that God will have with man, the, the programming of the formula for greatness was you must start off being intimate, being in agreement with me. Unless this, if you fail to be in agreement with me, now listen to me, what causes a man to not be in agreement with God? The things that they have become in agreement with. Men become, men become, or they agree with their own mindset. They agree with what they, with what they can interpret their exposure to be. Meaning that if you grew up a certain way, your mind has now been configured in a certain way because of what you have experienced, what you've been exposed to. 
And now the way you determine how you move, how you react, how you speak is going to be dependent on what you have experienced. So a man only agrees with the way that they are now comfortable with or what they have been fashioned to agree with. But the problem is, is that God says that you cannot fulfill the debts of who you are, Beryl, until you get to a place where you agree with me. Until you get to a place where you understand that what I am saying is the only way forward. So God looks at Moses one day and says, I want to raise the level of conversation here. Read from verse 1 for me and let's start today's conversation. Go on. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Mm. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. So if you would remember, and I wish I had two Bible um, readers this morning, but if you would remember... I spoke to you, or what Christ showed us, because you see, we can now go back into the past to understand what Christ is trying to do. Okay, you're going to have to do it. Mark 3, from verse 14. You're just going to have to do it. Then you have to go back to Exodus. Don't worry, leave it there. Sorry, guys, I need you to follow everything that's happening. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he go might... Back a t go back a few verses. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted mm. and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Okay, Re can we read that once more? Now slowly and clearly, please. Yeah? Seriously, just read. Stop smiling at me. Go on. Jesus went up on a mountainside. Jesus went up on a mountainside. COD, this is where the conversation now starts. Jesus went up on a mountainside. Yeah? And what did he do? Pay attention to this. Go on. And called to him. He called to himself a people. No, you're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. So let me help you. So for the last 13, 14 words or so, God had been speaking a word which is a call to himself. Intimacy being the start and the foundation of all that you can become. God says Jesus Christ is mirroring something because there's a work he wants to do. And what does he do here? God, Christ in this case, calls men to himself. Read it for me. He calls them. He goes to a mountainside. Yeah. And called to him those he wanted. He called to him. Now listen to this. He did not say follow me to the mountain. He called to them to come to where he is on the mountain. You see where God is taking us now, um, COD. It's a place that's going to require your effort. You see... Why I started off with saying that do not work for spoil and things for food that will spoil is this. Let me make it as simple as possible. Your mindset tells you that you are going to grow and evolve without you realizing. And that is true, but it's not truth. Truth is, is that God is going to get to a place or the word is going to get to a place and it's going to require your effort saying, come up to where I am. 
The world is going to get to a place whereby you are at distance from the word. You may not understand it fully. You may not see it as it is. You may not hear it as you should hear it. But the reason why you're even hearing that word, when PT can come on a Sunday and say that I'm speaking a word that's in the future, he's calling you into that future life. Oh God, are you listening to what I'm saying? He's calling you into a word that has gone ahead of you. This word has gone to the mountainside. And what does it say? Jesus went to the mountainside and what? Go on. And called to him those he and wanted. And called to him those that he wanted. What am I saying to you? You see the dimension of word. It's already calling God's favorites. It's already calling the men, the women. That God is ready to send, send out because he says that he calls these men to him. What does it say next? Go on. And they came to him. And they came to him. Yes, Sammy. I hope all, some of you will hear me. I, they called, Christ called the message of God. The message called out for COD to come to where I am. You cannot follow me there. But when I get there, I call you to where I am. The message was calling for Joel to come up to where I am. To come to where I am. I am emphasizing this because until you get there, you will never be the man that God is intending to send out. You will never be the one that God is getting ready to send out into the nations. And let me tell you something in case you've been deceived. You can never become a man of this world that God can send into this world. Meaning that God cannot call you. God will not send you into the world until he knows that you've been with him. So you see some people, you do know that increased finances is what makes you more visible by the world, right? You gain respect. You gain grounds. But God says, in case you don't hear me, God will not be able to give you that which will expose you to the world until he knows that you have been with him. And listen to what I'm saying to you now. In order for you to be with him, it will require your effort. It's going to require your focus. Remember what I said about Jacob and Esau. Esau's problem was that he was exposed to many things that were cool for his strength. He was, he was exposed to the activities of the field. He was exposed to an open mind. But you see, Jacob, Jacob only saw within the walls of covenant. Jacob was only in the household of covenant. Jacob morally was not a good person. He was known to being a deceiver. He was known as someone that would take someone else's space. But you see, that meant nothing to God because he maintained his position in the household and within the walls of covenant. David's sin against Uriah's wife, is it Uriah's wife or whoever it was, Bathsheba or whoever she is, when he took someone else's wife and killed the husband. The reason why he's not judged the way others may have been judged was because, you see, as for David, David never moved out of the four walls of covenant. So whether he was morally a good person or a bad person, because he came to terms with what covenant was saying, God could not remove him. Keep that as a thought. So he says that he went to the mountainside, yeah? 
and called to him those he wanted and called to him those he wanted so when you hear the word like this it's because in God's heart he wants a barrel but did you hear what scripture said he did not want anything from Beryl. He wanted Beryl. He was on the mountainside and called to, do, to him those he wanted. But you see the people that he wanted? It's not, here's the issue. Some of you think that God wants your giving. Your giving will mean nothing to God unless he first has you. So he gets to a dimension of word that requires you. It does not require what you can now give him. It requires you only. No, so let me just help you. There's a dimension. There's been a pull of God's word in my heart that I know that what God is asking for is the totality of me, not what I can give him. You see your service. You can give God service without giving him you. It does not please God. You can give God giving and you think that is good because now you've given a figure that you've never given before. It means nothing to God because God cannot be bribed with what you give him. What God is asking for, he, the word has ascended. The word has got to a certain dimension whereby it's saying, you, I want you. It's you that I want. So again, read it once more for me and then we go back to Exodus. Exodus 24, glory, please. Go on. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted. He called to him those he wanted. See, Odi, why are we under the word? And it looks, let me tell you something. Esau is the kind of person that worries about houses. He's the kind of person that worries about his tomorrow. He's too open, so he gives his strength to everything else. Now, we as the men, the sons of covenant, the daughters of covenant, he says, now hear what I'm saying. Because without being with me, you cannot be a man in this world. Read it once more. Sorry, I keep saying once more because I keep cutting you, but read it once more and then we move on. Jesus went up on a mountainside. Please take note of everything. He went up on the mountainside, yeah? And called to him those he wanted. And called to him those he wanted. So you remember when Pastor Toby said to us, it's not everybody that God interrupts. There were many young people. There were many girls, many boys. But it's not everyone that God wanted. So it's with great privilege and honor that you hear God's word because it means that God wants you. But here's the issue, and this is not my point today, but remember that even Judas was amongst those he wanted. Judas just couldn't give him himself, even though he followed. But let's move on from there. He says he called those he wanted. Go on. And they came to him. They came to him. So they made the effort and responded. Because to climb a mountain, as you know, is never going to be easy. But go on. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. And Why did he call him there? It was an appointment. This appointment of the 12 was for what? Go on. And that he might send them out to preach. Why is God speaking the word to us in, at this dimension? Why is there a call for you to give yourself to him? Why is there a call to abandon flesh and allow the, the governance of the spirit over your life? Why is it that God is saying that you should not worry about anything? Because if it doesn't matter, if you do not have him and you give your strength to everything, you will still be inferior to the one that came to me. 
No, again, let me, I, I think I need to break this down so you hear me carefully. I have every reason to worry about where are we going to live. Let me just give you as a carnal man now. There's every reason to care about those things. But what God is saying is that that's not what I care about. What I care about is I need to have you. Because if I have you, then you will have everything. If you never make that effort for me to have you eventually, you will pursue these things, you will pursue many things, but you will be known as Esau, the fornicator, the one who wastes his strength with many things that was outside. Imagine that Esau was skillful, pursued things. He was a hunter, but was able to be deceived at home. The man regarded as skillful, was outskilled. The person regarded as, look, he's got, the, he's got everything he needs. Already his father loves the game he can prepare for him. But the person at home was the one that went ahead of him. Because the man at home was the man of the word. He was the man that was, you know, later Jacob would say, think, if it had not been for the fear of my father Isaac, he was someone that at home, he learned how to fear the Lord. So look at this now. He says that the reason why I call you up here as an appointment is because I'm sending you out. God gave me this word to share with you. From what PT was saying and what PT has said. So that you may know that time, times are now changing. You see, when times change, activities change conversations change things evolve you would see the animals and you will always hear what they used to be years ago imagine there were animals that evolved over the period of time the problem with the church is that time passes and we don't evolve there's something wrong you are not a today man so again what are we establishing from this the heightened words we are hearing. You may not see the form of it. You may not understand it fully. You may not see it as it, as it is. But the reason why you're hearing it is because God's, it's God's request for you now. Everything else you used to hear before, you used to manage. You can give money but not give yourself. But you see the level of word you're hearing now from the nation family. It's a request for you. It's a request for me. So that at this appointment, I can now pick who I'm going to send out. Now go to Exodus 24 and read from verse 1 again. Go on. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, mm. you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. Are you seeing what's happening here? So the Lord now said to Moses, also come up. He says, come up and come with certain men. Come, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, come up. I'm at a place. There's something I want to do with these people. But you have to come up. I cannot pull you up. It's going to require your focus and attention. It's going to take your effort because you live in a distracted world. Down at the foot of the mountain 
are millions of people. These million of people, they have their issues, yet they are distractions. They have their problems. They have things that they need you to come and rectify for them. That's an open field for you to attend to. But right now, the strength I want you to give is to me. Not to all of these things. Not to all of these people. Not to all of these issues. Are you hearing me? Because what I'm saying is much more prophetic. I just hope your ears are hearing me. It's not what is the concern for a house. It's not what is going on in my family. It's not how my finances look. It's a core to give your strength over to the appointment that God is trying to have with you. Give your strength and your focus. It's not how I feel bodily. It's not how things look to me. It's that God is saying, I get that there are many distractions. I get that there's a world of social media that is telling you news after news. There's all of a sudden, there's the lockdown has, re has been released. Everyone can be free. But you see, there's some men that God is speaking to in their hearts saying, don't give your strength to those things. Don't worry about how you look. Don't worry about how the world looks at you. Don't worry about what the world has to say about you because there's an appointment with you, with me at the mountaintop. Can you give your strength over to climbing? Can you give your strength over to meeting me where I am? Because I will not come down to you. Can you leave a certain level of conversation because the conversations of the people will not remain, it will not evolve past stop fornicating. It will not evolve past um, um, stop worrying. It won't. They will always have issues. It will, they will always have issues. But what does he say you should do? Give your strength, Frank, to climbing. Yeah, it's at this time that you press in a bit more. It's at this time that you call on God a bit more because there's an appointment to send you out. This is the reason I've been asking God, why are you speaking in this way? And it looks like every, and you see when God wants to raise you to another level of conversation, God can shut down everything around you. You just wake up this morning and say, I, I received a message. We're waiting for something, waiting for something. They've even told us that this can't happen unless you view this, this, that, that. And then you wake up this morning and say, oh, the how's your interview is gone. And I'm thinking about what God was saying to me last night. And I realized when God is adamant that he wants you, he shuts down everything around you. He shuts down. He can cut off everything because he is actually really the fountain. No, it's not, an another, it's not you trying to build a system for yourself. Is that he actually is the fountain. So if he cuts that off, it's because there's something he's looking for from you and I. There's a level of conversation with the nations that God wants to have. But you see the problem is that many people could not leave the foot of the mountain. The, at the foot of the mountain, again, was the millions of people with their issues. Was the open field, was the life without restraint. That's where the people are. But God says, you see, in this season, if you can discern what I'm asking for, you will know that I couldn't care about your business. What I need is that you being with me. That appointment of you having to come to me so that I can send you. For the one who God sends, the one, the man who God has sent, speaks the words of God and 
The spirit is given to him without measure. The dimensions of God flows through him. Well, let's carry on. So then the Lord said to Moses, go back to it, go on. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near and the people may not come up with him. Mm. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. Be and Before we move on from that, I need you to hear this. The people, that's fine, sir. You go back to verse three. The people, listen to this. The people, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Let me tell you something, guys, because God is calling you, Lydia. God is calling you, Sharon, Esther, precious. God is calling you. You can't do everything that the Lord has said if you've not been with him. If you know this scripture very well, and that's the reason why I'm reading this chapter, you would see that this was the journey when God called Moses to the top. And while Moses was dwelling at the top, eventually these people that said everything the Lord has said we will do, eventually created a God for themselves. They actually went against doing what the Lord had told them to do. Do you know why? Because you cannot do God. Let me say it like that. Forgive me, I have to say it like that. You cannot do God unless you've been with him. You cannot follow his word unless you have encountered him. You cannot do what he's asking you to do without having intimacy, being with him. It cannot happen. So these people, were they trying to be deceitful? No. They actually with zeal said, everything he has said, I will do. We will do. But they could not because their power is in intimacy. The power is being able to meet that. It, no, no. The power is in the ability for you to exert the right effort and strength to meet the appointment of God for your life. No, COD, let me, let me say this in a simple term. Did you know that the most pivotal moment for your life is now? Let me say it as it came to be. Did you know that the most pivotal year for your life is this year? That it is this year that you have to make your appointment with God. If you fail to have your appointment with God, you will not be what you know in your heart you should have become. Because you cannot do everything the Lord has said unless you've been with him. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar to, at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 5. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Yeah. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Again, look at the people. Were they trying to deceive Moses or God? No. You know that time when you said, God, I will do everything you say. 
You know that time when you said, I will not do this anymore. Were you trying to deceive a leader or God? No, you meant it. But your ability to do it is only if you've been with him. No, so you will remember if you're hearing me really. You remember when I said to you or when Christ said to us in John 15 that you can do nothing unless you remain in me. So here's the issue. In this life, in this world, you cannot produce unless you have first had an appointment in God with God and he has etched you, if I can say it like that. He has grafted you into him. He cannot send out a Tomua until Tomua has got to a place with, and that's not the effort of Beryl for her. That's her effort. If she makes the effort to meet the appointment of God and God grafts her into himself, she can do nothing. She will say she wants to. She will cry out. She will hope. She will even pray. But without the appointment of God, you cannot do because you can do nothing unless you remain in him. So I realize that the vine is planted in God's garden. But the branches reaches out to the world. Did you just hear what I've said to you? Mm-hmm. Meaning that I reach the world from my base. If I'm cut off and I go into the world, I will dry out and eventually be used for fire. Carry on reading, go on. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Mm -hmm. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. Did you hear that? Yeah. Are you sure? The scripture I want you to know is my anchor scripture for today is actually verse 12. But I need you to see what happens. Oh God, you see what I'm about to say to you, yeah? You have the power to refuse it. Yeah, what I'm about to say to you, COD, you have the power to refuse it. But you see, many people don't choose it. They will say it, but they won't choose it because it still requires effort. God is calling Moses to the mountain like God called Abraham. But for you to know that it's like God called Abraham, Abraham went with his son, Isaac, Verse 13, the Bible says, then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide. Joshua was basically like his son. And they went to the mountain of God. Now look at what he said. On his departure, in order for him to go up, look at what he said. 
Again, you have the power to refuse this. Moses said to, his, to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. You see where we're going? You cannot come. Aaron and her, men of God, you know. Aaron was to Moses a prophet. And Moses was God to Aaron. And her, do you remember Aaron and her? Do you remember what they did? One day when Joshua was going to fight, <laughs> you would think that Aaron and her should be the next people to lead after Moses. But you see, because they did not come to where God was, Joshua, who went, who was a child, will eventually be the one leading the army, not Aaron or her. There was one day that the scripture says that Moses was on the mountain while Joshua was at the base fighting. And as long as Moses' arms were up, Joshua will have victory at the base of the mountain. What I love about that is because to the side of Moses was Aaron and Hur. They were the ones holding up Moses' arms so that Joshua can find victory. So why am I saying that you can refuse here? Aaron and her, if I were them, should have pressed in to enter. Do you know what they became? The man of God's disposal. Let me explain that. When God wants to lift a man, he will give you men to tend to the things that he don't need you to attend to no more. Are you listening to me, COD? Aaron and her are with you. And anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. I said to you that you see for Esau, Esau was the kind of man that he was open. He was available to an open world. There, there are many issues. There are many things to give your strength to. So it was there that he was regarded, oh God. It was there that he was regarded as what? It was there, listen to me, they, it was there that these men were regarded as Esau. They were the ones exposed to an open country. They were not closed off. They gave their strength to people. You would see later, because I'm going to take you to um, Exodus 32 when Moses finally comes back down. What did you see there? Aaron, the same man that was to deal with the dispute of the people, the issues that he should not have been given his strength to anymore. At the time when some were pressing in with an appointment with God, he was still open to many people. And what happened in 32? The people came to him and said, make a God for us. And who made it? Not the people. The Esau. The man who had the strength to do, but gave his strength to many things. The man when others were pressing in for an appointment with God, they gave themselves over to their worries. They will eventually make a God that others will worship. Everyone will be asking, Pastor Obi, why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing this? And before I could not articulate this, but I realized there's a weight on me saying that you must have your appointment with God before I send you out. It's the way it works. Aaron and her are with you. And anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. If I wanted to extend this, I would remind you of what James said to us. That why are there quarrels and disagreements amongst you? Is it not because of the many desires in your hearts? 
So he was, look, Aaron and her were men disposed before God. These were men that didn't need, God did not make an appointment with them because they had no drive in them to have an appointment with God. Because God is as close as you choose to be close to him because God did not ask for Joshua to come, but Joshua went above the other leaders. He went as far as his devotion would allow him to. Others were satisfied with seeing the feet of God. Others were satisfied with eating and drinking, feasting. Remember when I spoke to you that in the end times, others will be eating and drinking. Some will be given to marriage and some will be marrying. While others are fighting for a dimension of God. While others are looking to counsel, to hear what God has to say to them. Because globally, listen to me, God will not permit you entry into the world until he knows that he has grafted you with him. And that takes your effort to meet his appointment. There's no other way. There's no such thing as sentiment. It's principles that God sets before us looking for the man that will meet it. So I am saying to myself, and I hope I have at least one or two people from COD2 who are saying that I am ready to pay the price for that appointment because that appointment is the key to everything. I can preach and preach and preach and the world will not be moved unless there's an appointment that I was able to meet because God called these men, oh God. God called the 12, Christ called the 12, the ones that he wanted with him. So that he may send them out. So he couldn't send them without bringing them first to himself. Now you look at the trajectory of a Jacob. All of the things that he was going through was only so that he can eventually meet God. He eventually met God until and God left him with a mark that he will never forget. What was that mark that God left him before he can go out into the world as Israel? Because remember, Jacob was a household name. Israel was a nation name. <laughs> Listening to Pastor Toby and Pastor Toby saying, I had to stop you. I had to stop you with youth revival because what God is trying to do is nations. Not Peckham, not Oak Kent Road. He said, it's nations. But you see, how would you know a man that's met God? He leaves injured. That's a broken man. That's a man that leaves God limping with a mark that they need to depend on God. Do you remember the lame generation? For Jacob to be marked, what was going to be the mark that Jacob had met God? That he lost balance. That his socket was removed. That he will have to hold on to a stuff. He will have to hold on to God to be balanced. The reason why men don't feel like they need to go to God is because they believe they can stand by themselves. So no effort is needed to go and see him. No effort is needed to go and meet him, to meet his appointment. But the man that God has met, injured. The man that God has met, they cannot do without him. The Bible says then Moses set out with Joshua, his aid, yeah? And Moses and went, went up on the mountain of God. Yeah. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. Refuse to be Aaron and her. Men of service, but not men of intimacy. Men of work, 
but not knowing God and not being known by God. Refuse to be that person. Refuse to be the person that is only given to activities when you see, if you see your leader pressing in, if you see, if you hear, if you discern from the word that there's a call to come up, don't be the person left at the bottom. Refuse it if you're Joshua. Refuse it because you cannot enter. Are you listening to me, COD? You cannot enter without entering that conversation first. Closeness with that individual will not guarantee you to being out there in the world. Because God did not call you to his house to dwell there forever. God called you to his house so that he can eventually send you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So that he can eventually send you and I. That's the reason why he calls us out. This is the reason, COD, listen to me. That's the reason why God can stop us at the middle of the day to hear his word. And you'll be thinking, God, but there are many activities. God says, let Esau attend to that. Let Aaron and her attend to that. Do not fear these things because they are not the source of livelihood. I am the fountain of life. And I will shut off everything because I really want you, Glody. Because I really want you, Anna. I will shut off everything. Now, until you can discern that the cutting off of streams is from me. So that you can come to me. Until then, you will stay where you are. But if you can discern, if the Holy Spirit can help us this afternoon and make us understand that whatever is happening, it's not because God is angry. It's not because we've done something wrong, but rather he's calling us to send us out. Then you will begin to call on his name. Then you'll begin to say, Lord, strengthen me so I can come up. Lord, help me to remain focused because the man going to the mountain is a man that no longer sees many things. The man at the foot of the mountain is the one that has many things to attend to. Let me tell you something. God always looked for shepherds. But Christ, as the perfect shepherd, often will find himself away from everybody. Why? Because in order to shepherd, you must be intimate with him, God. So you see, what I'm trying to say is that I said to you earlier, people are busy trying to be likable. A man of God doesn't have to be likable. To be the man of the people, it seems like you must always be amongst the people. It's not true. Moses can leave millions of people for 40 days counting. And he would have stayed there unless God, unless if God had not told him to go back down. So 40 days would have been longer if God did not say go back down. What is God saying to us? There's an appointment. I am calling for you, not what you can give me. Not the produce of your hands. I want you now. And if you come to me, if you are able, perhaps you are able to make it here, then I can send you out to the world. So refuse, COD, to be Aaron and her. Refuse to be those left at the bottom because there's nothing in them calling them to say, uh uh, the same voice you are hearing, I am hearing that voice too. And yeah, I didn't need to have a dream or a special encounter. The moment I can see a leader pressing in, I press in. That's all I needed to hear. Or that's all I needed to see. Verse 12, though, that's my main point. The Lord said to Moses, What? Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone 
with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Are you hearing this? The Bible was never a book given for church activities. The Bible, did you hear what I've just said to you? Was not a book that should be given to just people in a room. The word of God was for the function of a nation. The word of God was given so that a nation may know how they ought to behave. In this law was going to be matters about their health and and uh, their health and cl- um, how clean they can remain. The in this word was going to be how they should interact with their neighbor. In this word was all of these things for how the nation should function. Now, why am I saying this to you? God calls you up as Moseses, as Christs, as men that will be called to deliver a people. He calls you up to a mountain and he says, stay here. Create a tabernacle here. Live here. You don't live in the world. You work in the world. The reason why God doesn't send people out there is because people will go if they had not come to God and made a home with him. If they have not made a tent of meeting with him, what will happen is that they will now get lost because they live in the world. They are amongst the world. But the Bible says, here's the instruction. This is the instruction that God gave me to say to you. God says, come up to me on the mountain and stay No, don't just come up and go. He says, come up and stay here. And I will give you the tablets. Do you know what the tablets are? I will give you a heart. Where my word will be inscribed on. Where I will engrave. Where I, with my own hands, will write my desires, laws, and words. My precepts. My covenant, I will write it on you. I cannot send you back out to leading a people unless I give you the heart that can lead the people. And what is that heart? The heart that pants. I have to take you to David. The heart that pants for the word. Do you remember that David got to a place that he started to sing or he started to create poetry to God. He says that as the deer pants for water, so my heart longs for your word. I long for you. God says that you have to come up here. Guess what I'm doing before I send you? So what is the activity that happens at the mountaintop? Are you listening to me, COD? What is the activity that happens there? The the transplanting of God's heart into yours. God gives you the heart where his writings are. Oh God. He gives you a heart because unless you have the heart, I remember when I was about to start leading Revival Church and I was panicking. I was anxious. I was actually, if I'm to be honest with you, I was afraid. I thought to myself, who would listen to me? How would I do it? There's this person here. There's that person here. And I remember what PT said to me. He says that God speaks through the altar of your heart. He needs you to meet him. And what will happen is that at that place, so why does it look like we dwell at a height for a while? Because he's writing his word upon your heart. God got to a place with David and said to David that I don't, or said to Samuel, that I don't judge people by their appearance, their outward appearance. I look to their heart. What God is trying to find when he looks into a tomwa or into a barrel or into a parise is if his heart's 
if his heart filled with his writings, his word, if it can be found there. Because it's only the man, the woman with that heart that God sends out into the world. Do you know why? God needs to know that you have an agreement with him when he sends you out to the nations. No, you didn't hear me. If you read this chapter, the subtitle for this chapter is the covenant confirmed. Do you understand what a covenant is? An agreement between two parties. So what God is saying is that I can't send you out into the world, Beryl. I can't make you a global musician or singer, whatever artist, whatever it's called, or whatever your destiny calls for you to be. I cannot send you out there until we have established an agreement. That when you go out there, the nations are not for you. The nations is for you to bring back to him. The nations are for you to shepherd back to him. God loved Abraham because Abraham would teach his children. And now the carnal mind would then say, oh, Ishmael and Isaac. No. Scripture later told us that everyone that is of faith is Abraham's children. So Abraham is still being a topic taught to us because he was someone that was a friend of God. He understood that he was not trying to become a celebrity, but by, but by being faithful to God, by keeping up an agreement with God, God will make him a great name. He will be a household name. There will be the top three nations or religions of the world will all see Abraham as the father figure. Why? Because he kept up his agreement with God. COD, please, Hear my heart when I'm speaking to you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to you. We are entering a new conversation. And God is speaking to us like this because right now we are climbing a mountain and we are at the mountaintop. But here's the thing. When God's ready to send out some people, I said to some people yesterday, it will almost not look like church. Because now you realize that you've been sent out. Because you see, when you're sent out, you really now go to the world. It is there that the people outside, I was saying, when we were watching Pastor Toby, when we joined the nation, Sunday services were simply worship. Then PT comes on the altar and he would speak the word, intimacy. He spoke the word on, um, um, what's the word now? Um, talking about the tablets. Do you understand? He was talking about the tablets of your heart and mind. He was saying, he was speaking all of these things to us and then the service will end with a repentance call. What was that? Every work starts off with intimacy. And at that time, we didn't see the LV. At that time, we did not see the Gucci. We didn't see the great cars as we're seeing now because the person that was not here on the mountain will make it look like this looks carnal. But what, they didn't, what we didn't even know, what I didn't even know at that time was that was God's appointment with man. So that he can send them out into the world. He says to us that I need you to come up to me on the mountain and stay here. Don't leave until I've put my word in your heart. Don't leave until I give you the heart that is filled with my word. Because until then, you are not ready for the world. What will happen is that if you... If you somehow stumble into the world, you will actually stumble there. You'll be lost in the world. Listen to me. 
listen to what I've said to you clearly. You would say with zeal today that everything you say we will do, but you cannot do it until I've given you my heart. So you will later you start to understand more when God will say that um, David, a man after my heart. David could not leave the sheep pen. God will not permit him to leave the sheep pen. He will not leave the role of shepherding because it's at the time of shepherding that God's dealing with your heart. Do you remember the story of Peter? He came to, after they had finished eating, John 21 would say, Christ said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Talking about the state of his heart. Remember that love is the ability to, to obey his commands. Do you remember that? He says, do you love me more than these? And Peter will respond saying, Lord, you know I love you more than these. Then Christ will say, then feed my sheep. The feeding of God's sheep. You have to ask yourself, at that point when Christ said, feed my sheep, who were they? I thought they were the apostles. No, they were actually the world. They were actually those. God had been saying this pattern. He has been giving us this pattern from a long time. The sheep that God says that I need you to feed are those that are in distress, discontented, and in all kinds of debt. Do you remember when Christ said that he looked upon the people and they looked harassed? He said that they looked like a sheep without a shepherd. Who is God's sheep? The world. That's why you can see the world. They follow everything because they're sheep. They don't have the ability to lead. You are the leaders. Pledge your heart today. That's right. God says that if you can say that your heart is actually mine, if you can say, if you can tell me that you love me more than anything else. So when I said to you that love not the world, that's not saying that the world won't come with its enticing things. It's not saying that the world won't have its incentives in order for you to buy. It's just that you're pledging your heart. You're saying that this heart belongs to the Lord. And God says that if you do, you will feed the sheep. It's only then that I know that that heart barrel belongs to me. It's not belonging to a, 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 a future. It's not because you want to be a singer. God needs to know that it's for him. And it's at that point that God says, now I can send you. You will feed. COD, what is our instruction? I had to listen over and PT said, listen, there'll be a time that Canada, that island, that Europe, countries will call you. You will not pay a penny. They will call you and you'll go there and revive them. You will not pay. You will not spend a penny. Why? Because you know your base. What you don't know is that when I come to the part of instructions this afternoon, what you would know is that what we're called to do is to pledge our heart. This is why I can see finances. And before I can think of clothing for myself, I'm thinking, what am I sowing? It's a pledge. It's the attitude of one who has pledged their heart to the Father. He says, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you, if you can stay here. Don't worry about how you think you are now. Don't worry about if you think, I, I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to raise money. I said to someone that, look, it doesn't matter if we were not naturally business people. The moment when there are people, you're already doing a business. 
Simple. If you don't know how to do anything, the Bible says, don't worry. Just come up to disappointment. Come meet my appointment that I'm trying to have with you and I will give you a heart. I will give you a heart that it has the laws and commandments I have written for the instruction. You will teach because of the heart I've given you. Your life will be something, a curriculum that people can look into and learn from because your heart has the words that would teach them. Exodus chapter 32. Let's read from verse 15. I believe. Moses turned and went down the mountain. What happened here, guys? The Bible says that at this point, God, Moses and, and God was at a certain frequency and dimension. And those that were left at the foot of the mountain, who had once pledged their heart to the Father, what happened to them? Aaron, as the one that was disposed, in quote, Aaron made a God, an idol for the people. And the Bible says that when the idol came, you know, Aaron in his heart was saying, no, this is the image of God. But it was wrong. What am I trying to say to you? Unless you come to God, you will do things with an innocent heart, but it will be wrong. Because if you check the story, and it's because of time I can't make us go through it, but read it in your own time. If you check the story, when Aaron made the golden calf, he did not make it and say, this is another God. He said, this is the God. He tried to make an image for his God. He thought he was doing right. But you see, a man that has not come to that appointment with God will do what they think is right, but they will create more harm. Because you can do nothing unless you are with him. You can do nothing unless you remain with him. And so it was. The Bible says that the people came and danced and celebrated to the Lord. But guess what? The Bible, for us, for us to know that this was wrong, the Bible says, and revelry, all kinds of sexual sins came among the camp because they were raising or they were raising praise to a foreign God, something that God was not pleased with. Actions followed because of the falsehood of worship, because of the hypocrisy of worship. So God had now complained. He said, go down to the people for they have raised the God. And he said, listen, move from my side. Let me wipe them up and let me wipe them off this, the face of the earth. And I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Why? Because Moses was the man he was looking for. The template of who he was looking. The first fruit of the type of people that was coming. And look at what scripture says. Then eventually God said to Moses, go down. Moses pledged the favor of the Lord. Moses grew in the place of intercession. Moses got to a place and said, no, Lord, do not allow nations to say that you brought them out only to kill them. And eventually God said that he relented of what he had threatened to do to his people. Then Moses turned. Go on. And went down to the mountain. Yeah. With the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. Moses was now coming down with a heart. A heart filled with God's word. A heart where God has been able to inscribe his heart desires, his, his will, his works. 
He was able to inscribe it into this heart and Moses was coming down with a heart. This heart was the heart of the shepherd, the heart of God that would be able to lead the people, bring them to a place of prosperity, of good health. The Bible says that the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, they were inscribed on both sides, front and back, verse 16. The tablets were the work of God. I love this. It says the tablets, the heart, became the work of God. So why am I speaking like this? And when I speak to you about Adam and Eve, what am I trying to tell you? The work of God. What is the work of God? Not a miracle. The work of God is what he can do with your heart. He says that the tablets were the works of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Now on his way down, look at this notable thing. And we move on from here as I begin to wrap up. Look at what verse 17 then says. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, Moses was on his way down and met first Joshua. Look at what Joshua said. Go on. He said to Moses, there is the sound of war in the camp. Now listen to this. Before now, we have not seen anything that attributes Joshua to warfare. Joshua was going to be the successor of Moses but his main duty was to be a military leader Joshua was going to be a military leader why because Moses has received the heart of a shepherd the heart of the shepherd is simply God let me explain that the Bible says that I will give I will raise one shepherd over God's people his name is David but David was also a pre-incarnate name for Christ he says I've given them my heart now, all of a sudden, Joshua will not realize, but he will begin to respond according to what he is called to be. Joshua will hear noise, but he will hear it in the way he is made to be. <laughs> Moses had to tell him it's not war, but Joshua heard it as war because this was the first indication that the heart that Moses had received had now kicked, had now awakened the call of Joshua. No. So if a barrel gets the heart of God, there are people that will be gathered to barrel that will begin to function and manifest as their core. Do you understand these things? Before now, you don't see anywhere that attributes Joshua with anything to do with war. And it's because we've got the full scripture that we later see that that's what he was called to do, to be the military head of Israel. He was going to lead them in the capturing of lands. No, because Moses got that heart. Now God was amongst the people. So Joshua can begin to manifest as he needs to manifest. Let me tell you what's even deeper about this scripture. If a man gets the heart of God, yeah, Moses' heart of God activated Joshua's purpose in the army. That's right. Let me tell you what's actually deeper. If a man gets the heart of God, everyone will manifest what they are meant to be. The people at the foot of the mountain were never going to enter the land. Do you remember that eventually the Bible says that they did get wiped out? The end of those in a certain type of life is death. The end of sin is death. When the heart of God becomes revealed in a leader, it will begin to activate the core in people around him. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying to you. 
When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there is the sound of war in the camp. Joshua did not know what he was hearing was divine. He was hearing call before problem. But he could not differentiate problem from call. But Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat either. It is the sound of singing that I hear. What is God calling us into, guys? An appointment with him. So that he can send us out. What's going to happen at that appointment? God will give you his heart with his words written. A heart that only knows God. Let's quickly actually round up with 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 20. No, 1 Samuel chapter 16 actually. Let's wrap up with this. It's been a long morning into the afternoon. But you can understand why I have to speak to you like this. Because God is raising men. You know when PT keeps saying that God is raising men, it don't just happen they're sleeping and then God says, oh, that's the man I'm raising. No, there's an attitude. And that's why I have to end with First Samuel. Because then you would know from the character of David, or you'll know by the story of David that David was not a, ra a random person raised. He was a man that in obscurity was looking for God's heart. It's from this scripture that we realize that his appointment was never on the dinner table. His appointment was amongst the sheep pen. 1 Samuel 16, and let's finish with this. Go on. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance. Do not consider his appearance. Do not consider what he looks like. Do not consider what he what he appears to be for the Lord, go on. Or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. He does not look at the things people look at. The one that God is going to send into the world because kingship, there's no other king in God's house, meaning that kingship was an activity for the world. Now, are you listening to what I'm saying? It's a governance that happens in the world. Now, God is looking for the right man that he can use for that role. And he says that in order for me to pick that man, I'm searching the heart. Can I find my writings there? Go on. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Mm. 
Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse. I, l- I love that. And we'll end with this. He said, after everything you've brought before me, do you have any other son? And he says, there is still the youngest. What is the key to prosperity? The older must serve the younger. Everyone must know. You see, you would ask yourself, God, why didn't you save the hassle and just tell him David? No, God has to first say who's rejected before he shows who he is appointed. And look, the one appointed of God could not meet the appointment of man. You're not hearing what I'm saying. So I said to you, you see the person here that God calls. They are not naturally, they don't have to be the, the most liked person. It will be proper for all the sons. You know, we have assumed that David was not called for the meeting. We have always assumed. Why I say it's us assuming? Because scripture does not say, Jesse said, stay with the sheep. Scripture did not explicitly say, David, don't come to the, di- um, to the dinner. It didn't say that. No, you see, David was the example of the kind of man God calls. Who does God call? God calls the man, the woman, that are in conversation with him. David in the backside of the desert with the sheep pen was him in conversation. The man in conversation with God cannot meet the appointment of men. So it's not wrong to go to this wedding or that party. It's not wrong to care about what's happening with a family member or not. It's not wrong to do this or that. Those are fine activities for the man that does not know that there's a pressing into a dimension. David was at a place of conversation. His mountain was the sheep pen. So that people don't say, oh, I have to climb a physical mountain to meet God. No, it's the place that God calls you to. So what we didn't know is that all that time that David was fighting with the sheep, protecting them, looking for places to eat, we didn't know that that was God's appointment. We didn't know at first that this was where God was calling David for appointment. So the man that God will call is the man that, when he arrives, he will find them in conversation with him. What would you be found doing? Would you be given to your own emotions? Would you be given to your own issues? Would you be like Esau, open to every issue? A man of the open field. Would you be that man? Or would you be the person that you see where you were called to? That house, the four walls of covenant. You just believe there's an agreement between you and your father that these sheep... I must feed them like he said to Peter. If you can be found there, then the appointment will then show you into the place of the king. I love this scripture so much because you would see that what God had to do, God had to use his servant Samuel 
to call him out of conversation. Again, the man that God is going to raise and pick is the man that is so oblivious in quote to the world but remains in conversation with what God is saying. So you would see that a lot of the Psalms open to God, close to man. I love that. You look at all the Psalms. It was, those were conversations. The Psalms were not just him making songs. He was having a conversation. What we didn't know was that God was writing on the heart of David, the template to leadership. The template, the blueprint to kingship was being written at the place of appointment. COD, don't leave that place of appointment. And sometimes to meet God's appointment would mean to disregard the appointment of men. And again, the appointment of men is not necessarily sin. It's just that you will be called a fornicator before God because you wasted your strength with other things. I'll end there. I love you all. Enjoy your day. But what I want you to do is go back and listen. It's a long word. Take points from it. This is the reason why it's important that you come to these conversations with an attitude of a student. You take notes. Because the world is a very busy and distracting world. And the world will heighten its distraction at the same time when God is trying to call you for his appointment. Refuse to be Aaron or her. Do not be the person that God allows you to be disposed, to quickly dispose of. Press to enter a dimension and receive the works of God, which is the writing of his word. I love you all. Enjoy your day. Bye, guys.